When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Coach Unplugged is brought to you by great people over at teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. Here is your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, happy Tuesday, episode 613 of Coach Unplugged. Um, today we're going to talk um, with, with Coach Singer. Um, this was a great one. I, 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 don't, I think we had a little bit of, of technical issues because he was calling from his car. He was a little one at the time when we were doing this. But I think this, this will be a great podcast. It's kind of one of those throwback podcasts, but I think it's a good one. Um, this and Wednesday and Thursday are going to be kind of throwbacks. But um, anyway, so go over and check it out. Uh, you can tell that I'm not getting enough sleep. But anyway, uh, you will be checking out because you're listening to it right now. Anyway, um, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, it is a one-stop shop. It's Netflix for basketball coaches. Go over and check it out. I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's my little baby. Um, allows me to keep these podcasts a chugging. Uh, also, go over and check out the great people at Dr. Dish. The easiest, the easiest machine to break down and put away on the market, in my opinion. So go over and check those great people out and mention Coach Unplugged. They'll be glad to hear from you. I mentioned Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $350 off. All right, let's head off to the pod. Hey, everybody. I'm super excited to talk to Coach Singer tonight. Um, he is the footwork, footwork guru. I get it out. Footwork guru. Say that fast rule three times. Um, so we're going to talk about um, kind of his basketball journey. We're going to talk about uh, basketball footwork. We're going to, at the end, we'll, in the show notes, we'll put all of his resources, and he's allowing us to put some on our on our um, YouTube channel, too, at Teach Hoops. And let's, here we go. Let's talk to Coach Singer. Um, and I'm very excited to have Coach Singer on. We, we, we were going to do this last week, and Coach had a cold, and he's got a newborn, I believe, or, or, or a small one at home, which I remember those days. You can see the pictures behind me that I, they've grown up very quickly. Um, so I'm going to have Coach Singer introduce himself and talk about his basketball journey, which is very unique. I've done a lot of these. I'm almost up to 130, 140 of these things, 
and this is the, your journey is a little unique from from a lot of the coaches and stuff I've I've done. So why don't you go and ex- introduce yourself to our audience and just kind of explain your basketball journey first? Well, thank you, Steve. And yes, I'm uh, a little sleep deprived, and and I'm sure you remember how that that is. We have we have twin three year olds and uh, and uh, you know a newborn. So oh my god, it is. I mean, the caffeine. I hold up my coffee mug. This is what gets you through it. It's like oh my goodness, liquid energy right there. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. So uh, my name is Ido Singer. I'm originally from Israel, and that's where I was born and raised. Um, Playing, playing basketball from a very young age, but had the opportunity to, uh, to step up my game and, and play professionally at a young age. I started at 17 and played for about seven years over there until I was about 23, um, yeah, six, seven years. Uh, and then... Um, so are you an Israeli of, citizen? I am, yeah, and I am still. You, and, and did you have to do your um, military duty? Yes, I definitely did. I, I spent three years in the Air Force. Okay. And uh, that, that kind of, uh, that stunted my, my growth a little bit with basketball. It added an injury to my, to my resume that I, uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen on the court, but that definitely added an injury there that shortened my career pretty significantly. Right. So there's pluses and minuses that I've always gone back and forth. We've talked about this in my stats. I mean, there's something to be said for doing that for your country. Um, you know, there's a, there's a growth there for a lot of people for you, for you, it didn't work out that way, but um, right. I think there can be. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because I've had someone tell me that and, and it stuck with me to this day. They said about the military or, you know, wherever you, wherever you serve, they said that it puts you at a pivotal point of your life. It puts you in front of such a diverse group of people that you would never get a chance to be exposed to. Yeah. It makes you, it, it makes you better. It might not seem like that at the moment, but it really makes you better. And it helps me in so many facets of what I do. Uh, just be able to relate to different people because my background is not everybody's background. But right. as a coach, you know you have to connect with them at some level. And it does help me uh, connect with them at, at some level. I love that, too. I love that diversity part of it, too. It's like, yes. I mean, my, the school I teach in is a very diverse community. And there's suburbs outside that are not as diverse. And I just I keep telling my wife and all the people that will listen to me, it's like that, that's what it's about. It's about learning because until you've walked in someone else's shoes, you know, it's hard. It's hard to know. Um, you can read and do all that, but until you interact, it's hard. Yeah. All right. So you were playing basketball at 17, which is crazy. It's like the ball is yeah. playing in Lithuania, you know? <laughs> it, it was, it was crazy. That year was insane. Cause I played, for uh, you know like you have the you have the clubs over there it's not the same system as here yeah so you have a youth club and then you have their professional team right i played at four different uh organizations at that time when i was 16 17 i played for my club team i played for their professional team i played for the 16 and under national team and i've played for my high school team right Oh, my daily schedule was, um, was fun. I liked it. My grades weren't really up to par. (laughs) And how how tall are you, Coach? Yeah, I'm 6'5". Okay, so uh, do you think that hurt? So I have a theory. I'm a stats teacher. Do you think all that playing with your big frame, because you're, again, not normal. Anybody above, you know, six foot is not normal. You're taller than the average average 
I don't know what the average height in Israel is, but in the U.S. it's like 5'10", 5'11", for a male. Mm -hmm. So do you think that that pounding and all that affected your body? You know, I I don't know, but I will I will say two things. Um, one, I my biggest growth spurt was between the ages of, uh, I believe, 14 and 17. Okay. I up a bunch of inches. I was not a tall kid. Right. Um, do you think there's something to be said about proper recovery? Yeah. And the muscle, you, you, you're, you're like a gazelle being born. You're, you're growing so fast that your athleticism and muscle has not caught up with your growth. And I, yeah. that always, the reason I asked the question is a lot of the big guys that I've had, not the guards, um, the bigger kids, the, the, the more games, uh, it seems like their bodies break down, but all right, so I got us totally – this is like my adult ADHD. I get us off task. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but let's go back to – let's go back. So you played in Israel. Then mm -hmm. what happened after then, that? Then I – and you know, like you said, it, it, something didn't click with me physically and, and on the court. And at a young age, I had, to, I had to hang it up. I was kind of a tweener. I was a 6'5 post. Yeah. Playing the league at 10, 6, 11. Yep. Uh, you know, the money wasn't there. I wasn't being sought after the way I wanted to be. And it didn't feel good. It didn't, the game kind of stopped feeling great for me. Yep. So I took a big hiatus. I moved to the States. I moved to San Diego and uh, went to school there for, for a couple of years. Uh, later on, moved to New York. Good move on San Diego. Great, great city. Great weather too. Oh, love that. I'm still trying to convince my wife it's a place to go. <laughs> so maybe you can help me with that at some yeah. point. Um, yeah, so, uh, moved to New York, stayed there for a few years, uh, eight years actually. And then didn't do anything basketball wise, but the last three years of my New York time, I got the bug again. So I wanted to start at the lowest levels. I, um, uh, I, I did coach a little bit in Israel. I did youth and, and I did some scouting for a professional team, but that was, you know, long in the past. So I wanted to coach at the middle school level and at the high school level, JV, I yeah. wanted to go grassroots a little bit and, and hone my craft. And, you know, really get back into it, which is what I did over there. Right. I school and JV boys and girls together at the same time for three years. And moved uh, from there. My wife and I moved to Massachusetts. I started getting into AAU and Division Three as an assistant in Massachusetts at the same time. Okay. Um, and I think that's where the journey gets a little silly because I start, I start jumping around. I wanted to get exposed to different coaches and different methods and, and really grow my my coaching. So from division three, I moved to division one as a Dobo, as a director of ops right. uh, in uh, UMass Lowell. Then after that, my twins were born. I took a long nine month break, which I would not change for anything. I wouldn't trade it for anything. It allowed me to stay at home with my wife, help out and, and see my, my girls grow for the first nine months, which was just, if anybody gets a chance to do that. No, do I know. I mean, I'm a teacher. So I got to spend a lot of time with my kids when they were little. And I would, I mean, there's no, you can't put a value on that. <laughs> Because, like I said, they grow. You will be, you know, in 10 years, if we talk again, you'd be surprised how fast they grow. Um, no, man, just, I want to stop it. <laughs> I know. I do, too. Oh, my God. The best is when they run yeah. home, when you come home from work, and they run up like you're, like, it's Christmas morning. My 16-year-old doesn't do that anymore. Um, let's go back to your journey, because I want to touch on this for coaches that are out there. I think what's really important um, and I know in my journey, it's like, I learned so much from everybody that I, you know, and some of it is like, I learned that I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, so 
you know, I think it's, I, I think that's what one of the things that jumped out about when you sent me your stuff is like, you have, you have seen it all the way through and you've seen the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of my assistant coaches is a former um, D1 division one assistant, uh, college division one assistant. And he, mm -hmm. he went and saw it and he goes, Ooh, I didn't like that. I want to get back to where I can actually teach kids and we're not on the road in July and all that kind of stuff. So I think you gotta, you gotta taste a little bit of everything to figure out. It's like going to Baskin Robbins. You want to try all the ice cream to figure out which one you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's yeah. so much to be said for uh, finding out what you don't want to do. Not right. just finding out what you want to do. Yep. And so Put then so what, so what, so what are you doing? What are you doing right now? So right now I, uh, I am not with a college team. I am okay. uh, kind of in the process of, of looking at different options and seeing where, I might want to end up. Um, okay. I finished my career at Fisher College as a head coach. So that was interesting. That was NAIA Division II. I can, you know, we, we can do 17 podcasts on, on that experience because for the, you know, the good and the bad, uh, it, it's just, I took on a job that had no facilities and, um, you know, no scholarships in a league that has full scholarships and beautiful facilities. So I wanted yeah. to take on that kind of challenge to see if I can recruit and if I, we can compete, which we did. So it was uh, it was definitely a uh, a very accelerated experience in turn in 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 terms of learning how to make the best with with what you have and and really um, you know there's a great book out there and I can't remember what it's called and I think I might be saying the title of it when I say this next quote. It's called uh, "Make the Big Time Where You Are." And we definitely made the big time where we were. Uh, I think it's written by a football coach. Well, I think I've seen a quote on Twitter about, you know, where your feet are now is where you should be kind of thing. I'm, I'm again, totally paraphrasing kind of thing. Yeah. But it's like, be where your feet are. Yeah. yeah, something to yeah. that effect. I've seen that around the web a lot recently. And it, I don't know where it's coming from, but it's like, be where you are. <laughs> um, uh, so, yes, yeah, so we're going to do – I already wrote myself a note while you were talking. We're going to do a follow-up on that. We'll do a whole podcast about that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm dead serious because, you know, I, I, I can tell you – I'll tell you 30 seconds about my career. You know, I took over a program that hadn't won in like 40 years. We've mm -hmm. won numerous state titles. Um, we, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had two guys go to the NBA, blah, blah, blah. We've been very successful. One of the winningest programs in the state of Wisconsin. And I'm going to tell you, and, and, and people that are listening, this is within the last year, I've thought about the next chapter, you know, what happens when I stop teaching? What happens when I do this? Um, you know, cause I'm not going to retire. It's just not, that's just not in my nature. I'll stop doing what I'm doing now and I'll do something else. Um, but I've, I've started, you know, I applied for my first D3 job. When this goes out, by the time this goes out, it'll be done and I won't have had an interview, I'm sure. Um, and it's out on the East Coast. Um, but because I went to school out there. But I, it's just me starting the process of, okay, if, some, if a door opens, maybe I'll have to walk through it. <laughs> um, you never know. You know, all that kind of stuff is just, you know, you got to play it by ear, really. Yeah, you're right. My grandma had a great quote. My mom used to make fun of her for um, playing the lottery every day for her life, you know, for her entire life. And uh, my grandma looked at her after she told my mom told her that it's, you know, it's one in a million, one in a billion, whatever the number is. And my grandma said, if you want luck to come in, the first thing you have to do is open a door. Right. So if you want an opportunity to come in, you got to you got to put your name out there and do all that stuff. So yeah, you never know. You might get a phone call. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. 
I, I'm telling my kids, I'll pack the bags, pack the bags. And they're like, what? what? And I was like, don't, you're, you're okay. Trust me. You're, you're okay. Um, so what are you doing right now? Now you're running a, you run, what are you doing right now? Let's talk about what you're doing now and then we'll get into some best. Sure. So, uh, so okay. right now what I'm doing is uh, mostly changing diapers and burping babies. <laughs> but um, when I'm not doing that, you know, you, you try and you try and help out as much as possible. And I do try and do that. And, and, you know, being the only provider, I still have to kind of figure out and, and position myself to, you know, to, to provide for my family. But at the same time, like we said, it's, it's a magical time. I do have the opportunity to be home with my kids and my wife and help out. So I do that a lot. I also uh, spend a lot of time doing uh, instructional videos on footwork, which is a huge passion of mine and something I believe is so undertaught. And even when it is taught, I think there's so much that is added to it that shouldn't be. Yeah, uh, it could be a lot more concise and and and, uh, and focused. So I do a lot of that, and I try and and, uh, and educate and share my experience, and hopefully entertain a little bit. If you've seen a couple of my videos, I I get a little silly there sometimes. So uh, so I do that. Uh, I do a series on uh, footwork in the NBA and how NBA players use the most basic footwork there is, and there's that misconception that they're you know, elite freak athletes, which they are, but they don't do anything that middle school players don't do. They just do it better, faster, more accurate. Right. So, um, so I do that. I do a lot of that education right now. Right. And are you doing, are you doing any like one-on-one -on -one work? Are you running camps? I know I've seen stuff uh, and I'm going to put some of my stuff, some of the coach's stuff, and then I'm going to refer you back to his site. I'm going to put some of my, some of it on YouTube and my site. So I can, sure. so we can give them more you know, notoriety and then people can find you. But what, what, um, are you doing other stuff other than that? No, I, uh, I don't do one-on-ones right now. Okay. Um, I will do some clinics over the summer. I, I do some work with the Celtics, uh, clinics. Okay. So I'll do that. The Celtics camp actually the camp. So I'll do some work with them. I'll do sporadic work. If, if there's an AU organization or a club team that wants to hire me to do some footwork clinics, I'll do that. Um, but no, I, 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 I really just am trying to focus on three main things, you know, family next step and footwork education. Right. And now. are you, are you looking, are you, are you applying for jobs or are you just kind of sitting back and kind of seeing what, what the, where the world kind of falls at this point? I, I am not, I am not a big shot. I am not a big name. Uh, I still have to apply for a lot of jobs. I have a bunch of good friends that will give me, um, some insights on, right. on jobs that might open up or jobs that open up. Um, I'm lucky. I have, a, I have a great network of friends uh, that happen to be really good coaches. Right. And, uh, you know, I rely on them. But, but yes, I, I definitely am applying for jobs. And I'm looking around. There's, there's a few things. I want to get back to Division three head coaching. That would be my main focus. And, that, and, that, and, uh, and, and that, opportunities in Division two or in Division one. Right. There's so much value in there. Yeah, and there's so many applicants, so many people applying now. It's 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 really changed in the last I don't know, ten years even. Yeah. All right, let's do some. I have some questions for you. Um, if you could only do three things to practice, what would you do and why? I would absolutely work on shooting. I think shooting okay. is the most the most important skill in basketball. I mean, we can talk all about defense. We can talk all about footwork. I think footwork is a big part of shooting. Right. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if you can't put the ball in the basket, the most, the best you can hope for is a tie. <laughs> Shooting would be one of them. Right. Um, I, I used to be big into defense and grinding defensively. I don't, I, I'm starting to move away from that a little bit uh, just because I feel the game is evolving that way. So I would say 
Uh, I would put defense aside a little bit. I would say shooting. I would say toughness. So anything with rebounding, anything with one-on-one defensively, uh, I would work on shooting, toughness, and you know I'm going to put footwork in there. So uh, <laughs> I believe – I believe wholeheartedly that footwork is. Let's delve into the footwork thing, too. I think footwork is similar to weight training in the sense that everybody thinks it's important, but it's really hard to teach. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, everyone thinks they can be a a shot guru. You know, Mm -hmm. they watch a couple videos and they can. But footwork is so precise, similar to lifting weights the proper way. that I mm-hmm. think it's a, it's a really hard conceptual thing for coaches. Um, I think we all want to get better at it. Um, but, you know, again, there's 18 things we're juggling at one given time that it becomes hard, I think. You know, I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I'm going to try and challenge that. Uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, walk. Mm-hmm. So if you can walk, you can, you can teach footwork. Uh, I always like to give this example of, a, of a, you know, an inside pivot or a back pivot just imagine two siblings fighting over a toy and one of them takes the toy and rips it away and does a back pivot saying, no, this one is mine. Right. We've done that since we were two or three years old. We have the footwork in us. Uh, Teaching it is not that hard. And that's what I'm trying to, to educate here. It's about length and angles. If you, if you uh, submit to the fact that wherever your toes go, the rest of your body is going to go, then you've already, uh, you already have a good understanding of, how to teach footwork because if you can get your toes to the rim if you can get a long enough step that is underbalanced that is unbalanced and and on point then you have a chance of of defeating a a, a defender right you so much faster you just have to beat their feet with length and angles and um, yeah i love talking about that because you you're right a lot of coaches believe that it's so hard to teach so they move on right it's not Right. Hey, everybody, I hope you're enjoying uh, this podcast with Coach Singer. I know how much I've, I've enjoyed talking to him. A couple things I would ask that you go over and subscribe and like, both on our YouTube channel at teachhoops.com and also here. It just helps us notify you when new things are coming out. That would be the first thing. The second thing is prices are going to be going up. We're in the process of moving our our stuff off of the site we're on right now and we're moving on to a new site, which is going to entail, anyway, you don't care, but I'm just telling you that within the next month, our prices are going to be increasing. So if you're thinking of getting in, I would get in now on teachhoops.com. I can't imagine a better time. Um, it's a great resource, mentors, community, resource, any, anything you want. Um, and if you have any questions about it, email me at steve at teachhoops.com. I will be willing to help you out for sure. Um, and even if, you have, if you're an AAU coach or a high school coach or something like that, and you're looking for a staff discount, getting your whole staff in, you let me know and I'm, I'm willing to help. All right, let's get back to the episode with Coach Singer. It's, it's the base of everything. It, it is the base. It's like the foundation. Um, if you could go back to yourself as a younger coach, so if you had a time machine, what would you tell yourself? Uh, I'd tell myself start 10 years earlier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no one has said that that's a great response <laughs> i'm telling you I, I see that all the time i i i fancy myself a, a decent enough networker but my network could have been so much more uh impactful on myself and on other people if i had started 10 years earlier i started at 30 i started coaching at 30 i wasn't straight out of college 
you know, at the division one school and I'm immediately jumping into the staff of my old coach, who's a division one, you know, uh, right. Division one hole. So I, I would tell myself, man, you love this. Get into it. Right. Do it. Just start. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's helpful to anybody. You know, I think it's helpful. And I, and I'm not sure where this is going to fall in, but I talked to Brendan, sir, who runs coach coaching, you you and was a former big former NBA coach, whatever. And we talked about networking, the job that he had. And he said, it's all about networking. It's all, but it's really about relationships because he goes, he hired everybody when he was working for, I think it was for the Knicks or whatever. He goes, I hired everybody off of, off of relationships, not off of resumes. Um, so you're right. If you could go back and build those relationships with people and expand that pool that you have, um, because when you get into the pool of the, of the big boys, they're all kind of intertwined. It's crazy. Like, oh, I know him and I know him and I know him. Yeah. And we, you know, we went, we did five star, okay. I mean, five star together and we did blue chip and blah, blah, blah. And we, you know. Networking is a contact sport. You got to be in contact. You got to stay in contact with your people. You got to keep growing relationships. You got to be involved and invested in the people. Yes. And you, sh- you can never go into it expecting to get something out of it. It always has to be about what can I do for you? And, you know, it's hard to be in that situation for me right now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not coaching in college at the moment. So I have to be uh, so much more uh, invested in my relationships, um, even more than I am on a day-to-day basis, because um, right now I have the time to give back. So right. what can I do for you? You are, you know, you're recruiting right now. You're preparing for next season. You might not have time. Is there a kid in Massachusetts that you can't get in? You can't get in to watch. Can I go and watch them for you? Right. What can I do for you? So, you know, taking advantage yes. of the opportunities that Oppor- you have and making yeah. sure that you invest in people. Yeah, and you have time. Like time is something people don't. Everyone has the same yeah. amount of time in a week. So if you can help somebody with their time, it's so important. Um, how do you practice? How did you practice plan when you were a coach? Did you do it at the end of practice? Did you do it the day before? Did you write it all out? How did how do you practice plan? I'm always intrigued on how people practice. So before my first year as a head coach, I had the entire practice plan for the year ready. <laughs> and then after practice, I realized that it was such a waste of time. And it's good as a reference point, but we're dealing with people, not robots. This is not a put this block here. It's not an Ikea table you put together. There are no steps to this. Right. Uh, then you find a piece that you didn't know you have, or maybe the piece that you thought you had is breaking. So you have to kind of uh, figure it out as you go. So at first I thought I had everything planned out and I was ready to go. But as the season uh, developed, I realized that I could only uh, have a guideline to what I want to have. So I would have a, uh, monthly goals. This is where I would like to be offensively, defensively. These are the components I would like to put in by this time. And then depending on that, if we have that, I would like to move on in the next month and get these one, two, three things offensively, one, two, three things defensively. And then as the, as the season goes on, the list gets smaller and smaller because the list, you know, there's less to add. Right. Uh, but yes, I would, I would have a practice plan the day, the morning of, I would sit there I would put all the most important things in front of me and I, you know, I, I put that aside. I put that in my brain. I let my brain go into auto mode and I do some menial stuff, things that I don't have to think about. And that's how I would get my best ideas, you know, right. um, just yeah, like, yeah. you know, Einstein at the patent. 
I know. It's crazy. Uh, I, I get my best ideas. It's crazy. I get my best ideas walking the dog and taking the shower. It's like when I'm not really doing anything. It's like your brain yep. just kind of relaxes and it's like, exactly. that's a good idea. Um, yeah. So I love that. I, I mean, I think we all were in that boat at some one point where we, <laughs> we want really mapped out. I, I have like a spreadsheet that I use um, that kind of basically says, okay, this week I should be doing this, this week, you know, and then it can kind of, because it's, it's no different than teaching, but coaching is teaching. And, you know, I can map out maybe yeah. three or four days ahead, but I don't know where I'm going to have to pivot or where I'm going to like, Ooh, they didn't get that. I got to, mm -hmm. you know, that's where it's like, you know, you, you can go in with the best intentions, but more than a couple days, you and tryouts are a little for the coaches that are listening and that actually run teams and have tryouts and cuts. You can do the tryout schedule those couple days. You can definitely plan those out. Um, but more than that, I wouldn't go a day or two. I agree. Um, yeah, you can, and, and you have to evaluate at the end of practice what worked, what didn't work, what do we need to sharpen tomorrow. I would have a pen with me and I'd have my assistants run specific drills that I needed to watch and make notes on. Um, we ran read and react a lot at uh, Fisher. So, oh yeah. So Love you know diagnostic tests, and you I've know had Rick, I've had Rick on here an hour, oh, an hour and fifty-five. I had to cut him off. Like we could have kept. Oh my going. Oh, it's crazy. Rick, I love Rick. I, I I got on the phone with him. Uh, I we used to get on the phone uh, at Fisher at the beginning before the season started, halfway through, and at the end, just to talk. You know, read and react, and what worked, what didn't work. Wealth of knowledge, one of the nicest guys. I have a great story about Rick. I was uh, calling to get the new spots that they had. And uh, I was calling the customer service. And, uh, you know, on the other line, there's uh, customer service. This is Rick. Like, seriously, you are, you are the CEO and the janitor of your own <laughs> company. company. That's amazing. And you do any Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. He's, uh, he's great. He's I, told him, I told him, I said, one of the questions I said, Rick, do you really realize what you've done? And he goes, what do you mean? I go, well, you basically changed, you changed the game and you invented an offense. Like, yes, it's a piece, of, it's pieces of all these other things, but you put it in a package and named it. And I said, it's going to be here after you're gone. You know, it's like dribble drive. It's like the swing or flex, you know, he goes, well, I really haven't. It's like, you know, he's so he, he's great. I mean, I'm going to, I, I told him I want to get on and get a whiteboard in front of him so we can talk about you know, some of the things that he had talked about. It's crazy. Um, all right. Can you think of one coaching moment that you can dive into our audience for our audience that would help them? Like one moment, one thing that happened in your, when you were coaching that we could dive into that would help them? Uh, so many, and they all have to do with failure. I've had a moment in, uh, in division one where I, as a director of ops, I had to take care of, um, you know, everything on the road. Yep. All the logistics stuff that was on me. And as a, as a first-year director of ops at a, at a Division One school, it wasn't easy. Um, you know, especially I'm, I'm a coach. I've never done any of that stuff. So learning on the fly at a very demanding environment wasn't easy. Our first trip was a four-day, three-night, four-day trip to Notre Dame that had so many moving parts to it that by the time I was done setting it up, my head was spinning so hard and I was just praying to God that everything was going to go smoothly. Uh, lo and behold, our bus driver was one of the most um, confrontational people that I've ever had and the, the least accommodating. So I had to deal with that. And it wasn't pretty. And my, my head coach wasn't happy for a very good reason because, you know, she shouldn't have to 
right. worry about. And I was frustrated. My, my advice would be um, plan, talk to people, get all the information that you can, prepare for the worst, always prepare for the worst, have a plan B and have your plan B, have a plan B of its, of its own. And when, you know, when it hits the fan, you, you gotta, you kind of got have to be like a duck just above water. You gotta be calm and underwater. You gotta be pedaling like crazy to make things work. <laughs> and I, and I, and I do this when I like, even when I'm working my son and stuff, and it's like, we're doing some sort of ball handling stuff. I go, Drew, you just did that drill three times and you didn't lose the ball once. That means you're not pushing yourself. It means you're not accelerating because, you know, mm-hmm. failure is like failure. And, and there's all sorts of studies done on this, but you literally have to push the point of failure to learn. It's that gro- it's, I hate to say it cause everyone's using it, but it's the growth mindset part. It's right. like failure is okay, but what do you do when it doesn't happen? You know, what am I going to do when I apply for this job and I don't get it? What am I going to do if I actually want another one? You know, how am I going to change it? Or am I just going to go, huh? And then, you know, so that's where the, the pivot kind of comes. It's true. And I, and I like that you said pivot. So that, that pun wasn't, uh, wasn't lost on me. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the flip side of that story was it prepared me so much for being a head coach. It prepared me to no end because I had to do my own travel. I had to do everything by myself. And it came so much easier. It's all, the, it's, I, and it's all those. I made excuses. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You're. It, 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 I did not. Yep. The buck stops with you. That's. Yeah, I, the, I was not mature. Yep. And, and, and that's true. the crazy part. And, um, and oh, um, I was saying. It's, okay. So it's definitely, it stops with me, and and I have responsibility. Yeah. Yep. All right. So let's do. Um, if you could talk to one coach for an hour, who would you talk to, and why? Probably want to talk to Gino. The reason is, first of all, I, I was uh, I was next to him a few months ago. I when I when I was done with Fisher. I had the chance to uh, to go around and, and check out practices, which you never get a chance to do. So right. I went down to, to UConn and, and the practice. He was talking to this family next to me that he knew. And the stories that he had in the, in the five minutes that he was conversing with them were so much fun. Just, right. he, he seems very down to earth. I've never had a chance to sit and talk to him. He seems very down to earth. Interesting guy. Seen it all. Won it all. And, and- I, I would like to know what I, yeah I, I would i would like to know what it is that he did in his development that allowed him to connect with people to the point that he could surround himself with great coaches develop a great program and keep recruiting the best players in the country year after year that's people that's right. not so much as an o's so right. that, that conversation yeah and the thing about gino i think what people don't really i mean okay so we're going to put this in perspective he's had i'm going to put air quotes for people listening he's had failure the last two years <laughs> i mean he's i mean he has right. he hasn't won it which is for yukon is failure so you wait i mean they're going to win it again right i mean because he's that good a coach he's going to take that quote unquote oh, yeah. failure and you know they'll be back <laughs> They're not, they're not, they're not going anywhere. Definitely. No, they'll be right. <laughs> Do you have any superstitions? No, I, I really don't. I really, really don't. I've heard about this coach that wouldn't kiss his wife before he left for a game because they once lost a game. No, if I do that, I wouldn't have a wife. So <laughs> uh, I try not to delve. No, I, I, I really don't. As a player, I had a couple, but as a coach, no, I just, no. I, I'm too, I'm too invested in what I'm doing. I don't have time for that. Yeah, and I think that, and I tell the players, I said superstitions aren't bad if they don't get in the way because what they are is they're routines. Routines are good. Mm-hmm. Like you want a routine okay. for pregame, you want a routine. So I said that's okay, but don't think if you don't if you lace your right shoe before your left that you're going to lose, kind of thing. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, 
So I love this. I, for the people listening, I always send out like a questionnaire blah, 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 and tell people how we're going. And I go, I'm going to do some situational game questions. And you wrote back, yes, I will follow up three. So explain your following at the end of the game. What's your theory on following at the end of the game? <laughs> so I was at the WBCA conference, and we were watching this game, the, the semifinals game, the women's semifinals game at the bar. Yep. And, uh, you know, the whole Louisville, um, the up three and all that. Uh, we got such an argument. A bunch of coaches. It, it turned into a starting match, which was fun because everybody's smiling. Right. But do you foul up three? Do you not foul up? I, I kept going back to the fact people kept telling me, well, you don't foul because you rely on your defense. And what if they make the two free throws or make the first one, miss the second one, grab the rebound, put it back, or maybe you foul the put back and then they're back at the free throw line, making one and you lose. I said, okay, but what you just named are four or five different variables that have to happen in succession for your scenario to happen. For me, all I have to do is foul you. You can make two. I get the ball back. So I have one variable. You need five for your point to make it through. Number-wise, it, it is not, you know, overwhelmingly beneficial to foul, but you gain control over the game. They had a few seconds to foul. It was eight seconds to go. They didn't foul. They allowed for a shot to happen, and it was a pretty wide-open shot. Right. You let a couple of seconds come off the clock. You foul. You're down to five. Make the first one, miss the second one, fine. If you grab the rebound, you grab the rebound. I can, I can substitute, put two of my best rebounders down there. I can pack up the, that rebound. I can tip it. If I can't grab it, five seconds will go really quickly. Right. All those variables, it's hard for you to win if I foul. I have full control over the outcome. Not full, but a lot of control over the outcome. Right. So that's just my thing. And, and I like that. I like that, that, that. No one's really explained it that way. I like that because we coach. So the boys are, or girls are in control. We want, if you, I mean, if you, you should be able to box out on a free throw too. I'm sorry. You should like, I mean, high school, it worries me a little bit more, but we should be able to get the rebound guys really. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the odds that they're going to throw it off the rim? I mean, like, come on. Um, no one practices. You have to miss the right way there have it the right way they have to put it back against a lot of defense that's already in place yeah it's not it's not easy to execute it's not okay so we're gonna go um let's do let's do our rapid fire so i'm gonna ask you a question real quick i always end with this this is always fun so i'm gonna ask you a quick question and you're gonna give me one response this was hard for rick to one word one response yep so um one response or one word one one (laughs) response one response or one word okay um okay what is your favorite basketball, like brand of basketball? Uh, Nike. Ooh, I have not had a Nike. Why do you like the Nike ball? Feels right. Feels right in my hands. I don't know. Feels okay. right. I'm not a good shooter. I can make shots with Nike. Okay, there you go. Um, one, <laughs> one word to describe your ideal player. Competitive. Yep, one sporting event you could go to in the world. Oh, NBA finals well the bucks are gonna bucks are gonna win tonight too so people are listening to this or playing the celtics and i know you're out east hey you're calling massachusetts over here watch out (laughs) i know i know i think my brother's going he lives in new hampshire um it's it's uh he's one of the best coaches in the country in my opinion stevens um he's crazy good um favorite pregame meal either one player pasta coach pasta All right. Uh, one thing you do to relax. Just watch mindless TV. I do that too. And usually I'm doing something else. Like I'm, t- you know, grading or something. Yes. I love that. That's because like, I don't have to think. Um, 
best player you best player you have seen in person? Probably Kobe. Okay. Uh, best player of all time. Michael's winning. So, Michael, if you're ever listening to this, you are blowing LeBron out of the water, to be honest with you. All right. Uh, maybe it's because I'm – I bet if I was asking 20-year-old coaches, I'd be getting a different response. Um, one thing that, that helped you become a better coach? Listening. Okay. Listening. Uh, best game you have seen in person? Probably be this, this year's uh, women's basketball finals. This past year's been oh yeah women's basketball oh, oh yeah I would definitely think that if you saw that um one word to describe your coaching style giving ooh I like that um top top bench player of all time man those are good uh, top bench player of all time Tony Kuko whoa he has not gotten a vote good job um best basketball coach of all time I'm a big pop guy Greg Popovich I like pop too all right one book you'd recommend uh it's uh it's called Start with Why by Simon Sinek. Okay. I hope I'm pronouncing the last name. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, I know the book. And why that book? That's more of a business mm-hmm. book. It's it's an everything book, I think. It 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 challenges you to realize and ask the question why you do what you do. And once you find your why, it it's a, such a powerful driving force for every facet of what it is that you're doing. It helped me figure out recruiting better. I was able to recruit better after I found my why because that's easier to share with people. It might feel more personal to them. They might connect with you better. It, for me, it really helped recruiting and it just helped me with, with everything that I'm doing. I love that. All right. One, one thing you tell a young coach, invest in people, invest in people, network, players, parents, coaches, invest people. That's awesome. The nose aside for a minute. I agree. Okay. So coach, what I'm going to, what, cause usually people are either jogging or in their cars and stuff when they're listening to podcasts. So what I'm going to do is in the show notes, I will put all your contact information. Um, so when we get off here, don't leave. And then you and I will talk, I'll get all of that. And then we'll, um, we'll put it on there, but we are, uh, let's plan on it in the fall. We'll come back. And I want to, I want to, this is selfishly. I want to sit and delve into the whole college you know, your job there. No, I'm dead serious. Cause that I, the only way I'm going to learn is to talk to people. And I love doing that. So let's plan on doing that. Okay. Let's do it. All right. All right. Thanks coach. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. If you did go over and leave a five star review. If you didn't like it, don't do anything. Um, also go over and check out teachups.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, become a better coach. Put your, take yourself outside of that comfort zone. Join our community. Let myself, and our entire community help you through this great journey. doesn't matter if it's parents. doesn't matter if it's a kid not playing hard. It doesn't matter if you don't know how to break the one three one zone. We will help you. So go over and check it out. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.